0: Welcome to another episode of the Ottson Audible's podcast. It is Wednesday. That means we have a guest on the show. Um, I I referred to Kelly Graves, Oregon women's basketball coach, last week as a friend of the show. Jackson Moore, this is your third show in six weeks. You're like a stepbrother or a cousin or something. Uh, Jackson is here with us. Jackson, thanks very much for joining us on this Cal Preview show, one of your like half a dozen schools in that area of California that you seem to cover. Um, You ready to do this again?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, we'll go for the hat trick here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and uh, you're hearing my voice to lead the show. Usually, you'd hear Matt. Matt is down at Pac-12 Men's Basketball Media Day. Uh, That means I will be leading the show, but don't worry. It won't just be me. Jared Mack, I know a fan favorite. Hi, everybody. (laughs) The young gun is here, uh, and so he's going to be jumping in, and we're going to be running through this for the next 30 or so minutes. Just to preview, Oregon versus California. Friday game, 5.30 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, big game for both teams coming off of losses before the bye week. I wanted to kind of start there, Jackson. Um, you could look at Cal's start, and I don't think anybody was thrilled because they started one and three. But you pointed to the three losses, and they were pretty close one score games against, I would say, three teams we think are probably bowl eligible or pretty close to that in Nevada, TCU, and Washington. Then this thing with Washington State happens, and it just kind of throws me for a bit of a loop. Is that kind of how everybody else down at Berkeley feels right now? Because that was not a good showing.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, Nevada was a the game they jumped out 14-0, went cold, still only lost by five. TCU was back and forth. Anyone could have won that game, they lose by two. Uh, Washington was a game where both teams were kind of same record, looked like you know who's going to prove it, and then it goes to overtime, and it's decided by one yard fumble at the goal line that Cal loses on. So, you know, you, you felt like they were about three or four plays away from being 4-0 and that right. they were going to find a way to turn things around. And that 1-3 Washington State at home, touchdown favorites, was the ideal scenario to make that happen. And, yeah, 21-6 to loss, it was ugly. The passing game uh, just kind of disappeared. Um, you know, they only put up six points for an offense that has been much improved, been really the bright spot of this team. Uh, The defense, which has been taking a step back, still held the Cougars to 21. It was a winnable game on a normal day. But yeah, it was uh, kind of a head scratcher with that one. And it's tough to bounce back when you're one and four and you've got number nine, Oregon, coming up. That
0: was uh, as close as those three other losses were. That one was certainly the most critical that they suffered. Are there common trends between these four losses? It sounds like maybe there are some common trends from the first three, but the Washington State loss differentiates itself. Kind of what have you seen and how much of that stuff feels correctable going into this one?
1: Yeah the the first three and the last one were definitely kind of different stories. Um, The running game has shown itself at times and then it feels like it either disappears or the coaches call away from it. That was a big complaint in Nevada after really pounding the ball for uh, two touchdown drives right off the bat. The run game kind of Seem to disappear whether it was called out of it or they just struggled to run it either way it, they only put up three points the rest of the game in three quarters and there's been a little bit of that here and there um, but mostly the offense hasn't been too big of a problem other than needing them to make the one big play at the end of games and, and falling short uh, of course being a common theme um, they've had some opportunities red zone offense has been a common theme they uh, outside of the top hundred and red zone efficiency, they've had like five empty red zone trips I think this season, which is not good in six or in five games um defensively it's just been not what you would expect from Cal and what Justin Wilcox has established there um, it's kind of been across the board it's nothing there's no one clear weakness I don't think, but the defense as a whole has certainly taken a step back and that's something. I don't know if that's correctable. The offense feels like it's better and could be better than that. The defense feels like it's kind of just getting by. And that, uh, Aside from Coin Dang getting healthy, there's not a lot of um, uh, hope in the short
2: term for it to turn around, really. So you mentioned that the offense has been playing pretty well so far this season. Chase Garber's threw for over 300 yards in two games this year, but also threw for under 200 yards in two games. Is that a case of him running into just some good defenses, like Washington's pass defense, or is that just Garbers being a little bit inconsistent this season? Um, yeah, probably a little inconsistent. The the thing that
1: he's been racking up the yards, he's never been really a guy before the season to put up three hundred yard games. That's been a little bit of a surprise that he's done it twice already. But it's because they're just really chucking the ball downfield a lot, which is not Cal's identity or what we expected to see this year. Uh, they loaded up at receiver and you anticipated they throw the ball a little bit more, but it's not, I mean, it's out of the pro style. It's just one guy on a go route on one-on-one coverage and they fling it. And they've hit enough of them to where um, they put up some pretty big yards and, and it put up some points in a lot of games. But yeah, these last two particularly uh, those seem to uh, kind of vanish and get taken away. And I can't really say if it's something they're doing better or worse. Cause a lot of them, that were successful. It just feels like they're kind of throwing it up for grabs and they happen to come down with it on enough of them to make an impact.
0: How, how would you, like, I guess, assess Garbers? I know you talked a lot right now about 2021, but just the progress. This is, it's kind of unusual in college, I think these days, you get a four year starter at one school to kind of watch the progress. Like, do you think Cal Faithful, Cal fans are happy with what they've seen from Garbers from freshman year to now? how will they kind of I think reflect back after this season assuming this is his last year I believe it is but like just like what has the Chase Garber's era of Cal football been like and would you say disappointing over overachieving kind of how would you assess it
1: yeah uh, well his first year it seemed like he was kind of thrown out there a little bit in and out as the starter and uh, of course had some struggles and then that sophomore year in 19 was uh, fantastic um he had some trouble staying in the game. He got hurt quite a bit, but when he started and finished games, he was seven and zero, undefeated as a starter, and um, that accounted for most of the wins of that season, of course. But uh, it felt like when he was there, the team always had a chance, and that's pretty big. And <laughs> when he had a, a good defense that aided that, um, the offense seemed to be taking a big step forward towards the end of that year, and then they switched coordinators and offenses and. Um, it's tough to really gauge what happened last year. They only played four games, and it was just a mess. Um, but they only went one and three. And now you're looking at this year where there's not excuses, and they're one and four. He's two and seven in the last nine after going wow. seven and zero last year. And really, he's probably – I mean, statistically, he's played better in these games than he did when the Calvin undefeated. But you look at the – well, he was starting, of course – but when you look at the defenses he's had to work with, uh, that defense in 18 and 19 put together, what, 14 games in a row where teams were held to 24 or fewer points. Mm-hmm. And then now this year, I mean, they give up 30 to Sacramento State. Um, right. give up um, mm-hmm. 34 to TCU, 31 in overtime to Washington. And, um, yeah, those are games where if he had the defense he had before, those are probably – victory. Well, Sacramento State was a victory, but the other two as well. So a lot of it gets put on the quarterback, but you can probably say he overachieved in his early years and now underachieving later because of the result. But really, statistically, it's kind of the opposite. He's really improved uh, as far as what he brings to the game with his arm as of late.
2: So you you touched on this before where you know, Cal's been – throwing it deep more often you know, Cal right now has four receivers that average over 10 yards a catch three of them average over 15 yards a catch i i guess it, like could you go a little more in depth on just the just like Cal's offensive philosophy this year and in comparison to years past
1: yeah so when garber's was first getting going they were running a spread uh, from bo baldwin who was the coordinator and they utilized garber's legs more in a designed capacity and mm-hmm. um, Now they're in this uh, Bill Musgrave kind of pro style offense where he still ends up running the ball quite a bit, but it's not read option like he was before. And he's a pretty good threat with those legs, but the passing game particularly um, again, kind of your basic going from spread to pro style, but the long pass has been what's really been infused into this offense. And they've got quite a few guys uh, that can do it. Of course, as you mentioned, um, Drayvon Clark has been a big deep weapon Um, Jeremiah Hunter is a redshirt freshman who's having a really good showing in his first college football season and a Kakoa Crawford as well. All three of those guys are guys that can kind of beat you deep. So perhaps that's a philosophy of playing to their strengths with the deep passes with the guys that they have. But um, yeah, overall it's more of an offense that is going to try to establish the run between the tackles, have a moderate passing game, and it's just extra infused with deep shots uh, on a more regular basis than you would normally see.
0: I was surprised at this, Jackson, and obviously you've watched a lot more Cal football than I have, but just where Cal stacks up defensively in the Pac-12, 11th in scoring defense. I mean, you, you mentioned this before. I think like the, the personality of a Justin Wilcox coach team for so long has been the offense isn't probably going to be amazing, but the defense is so darn good, and they keep it competitive, and the offense is able to do enough that they usually play a lot of games in the 20s to the 30s, and that's a range where they feel really comfortable winning this is not that kind of a team. Like, has this been a surprise to those, I guess, following it? has this been a surprise to you? And kind of like what accounts to such poor performances so far from, again, what I think a year in and year out is supposed to be a strength of a Cal team?
1: Yeah, it certainly has been a surprise. I think a step back a little bit was to be expected. I mean, that 2019 defense lost an All-American linebacker, Evan Weaver, and two NFL draft picks at the safety positions. They lost a couple more guys last year. Cam Bynum got drafted uh, at cornerback, but uh, the defense kind of slid back a little bit. And it was only four games, no off season. All the you know, it's really easy to to write off. Um, but now, when you have this full product here defensively, it's definitely not what Cal uh, fans remember seeing back in nineteen. Last time they were able to watch the team in person, I think really, I mean, there's some different aspects to what's happened where you talk about Tim DeRuder going from defensive coordinator in 2019 to kind of being demoted to co-coordinator in 2020 and Peter Sermon being elevated to the other co-coordinator and play caller and now him being the full guy and DeRuiter not being Cal at all of course um, there's been some other coaching changes they've had uh, three different defensive backs coach since 2019 now and back wow. in 19 that was a strength <laughs> for sure um, so that 's been a, a tough one to um, keep going with with all the turnover there, um, but really, you look at the main guys, Justin Wilcox and peter sermon there 's no reason or common sense for why these two guys have a defense that doesn 't look very good based off of everything they 've done in their career. I, I really do think it 's just the talent level mm. when you lose a guy like Weaver, you have Coin Dang, who is like the next guy up, and he 's been hurt most of this season. Um, They had Brett Johnson, their best defensive lineman, who got in an automobile accident during the offseason and hasn't played. Uh, There's just not the star power in the front seven, and the secondary doesn't quite have those kind of NFL guys like they're used to having. It's just kind of an average defense compared to a really, really good defense that they had before. And I think the talent drop-off has just started to show itself. They've done a really good job recruiting, but the gap between – what they've got in the pipeline to what they're putting in the starting lineup right now is definitely noticeable.
2: Going off some of the differences in, in Cal's defense in 2019, the, the a turnover margin of plus 0.5 and last year they were even. And so far this, this year that they're even they have six turnovers and six turnovers forced, you know, do you, do you anticipate or can you see uh, Cal's defense forcing turnovers against Oregon and then trying to keep them or, or, or are they capable of doing so?
1: Yeah, they seem to be kind of average again there. In 18, they established themselves that secondary as the takers under Gerald Alexander. They were just picking passes off left and right. And 19, it fell a little bit, but they had a lot of the same players and talent. And since then, yeah, it's definitely, they they don't quite have the guys that are ball hawking in the secondary. Um, I think there's some elements, and on a given game, they could pull off a turnover or two, but it's definitely not the uh, dangerous takeaway team that uh, Cal had earlier on in the Wilcox era.
2: To to go off that, you know, Cal's pass defense isn't stellar this year. They're allowing over two hundred eighty yards per game through the air. Uh, on the flip side, for Oregon, their passing offense hasn't been great either. Um, is this kind of a battle of, of which side is is, is worse, basically? Cause <laughs> there's not a clear winner here on who's going to have the advantage
1: yeah um you know cal the last time they were out there they went up against a kind of a pass happy washington state team and they gave up the what the 21 points and wasn't a terrible showing but of course when you only score six points it's not great um yeah i know I've, i've seen oregon play and i know if there's a an X factor between the two, it's probably the talent level Oregon has. That receiver is going to be the clear winner out of all these matchups. But uh, again, it's you got to get the ball to them in the first place. And um, I know that there's been some uh, discontent, perhaps, with Brown, <laughs> but uh, putting it mildly, Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> I know from watching them play against two of the other teams I cover, he's had definitely some some moments that were tough to defend uh, as well.
0: What's the health right now? I mean, like you mentioned Coin Dang. I know he's not, he's not available I, I, right now. Once he available to come back for Cal? And are there other players that Oregon fans listening should be aware of that are maybe regulars that we won't see on Friday?
1: Yeah, um, Dang, they, I believe the quote uh, Coach Wilcox gave was that he was going to be out for the foreseeable future. Um, hmm he usually doesn't comment too much unless um, he's confirming that someone's out for the year, which hasn't been the case with Deng. It sounds like he'll be back at some point, but he's going to probably miss t- more of the season than uh, it's going to be uh, recoverable for Cal. Um, Stanley McKenzie, who is a big, young nose tackle. Uh, he's out for the year. He's um, the Cal's got several of these redshirt freshman, sophomore type second year defensive linemen that have kind of been rotating in there and, He's been a big piece of that, so he's going to be out. Um, Will Craig, an offensive lineman, uh, left the Washington State game. Uh, is kind of in the questionable uh, mark for Cal, but otherwise, they haven't had too many. Um, no, they had a lot of offseason issues. They had two. Uh, they had one. Uh, they did have two senior offensive linemen have to medically retire. One kind of expected, one not. And then they had, as mentioned, the the car accident with Brett Johnson. That D line was a really tough one for the defense. So um, nothing that's kind of like Cal fans are on pins and needles about for this game, but just kind of some key guys that have been out for a while now.
0: Is, is Will Craig considered like maybe the most talented offensive lineman though? I know he's been there starting left tackle. Is, is this feel like a bit? I know, and Kayvon Thibodeau won't be available for the first half, so maybe it mitigate some of it, but that feels like maybe a sizable whole absence for Cal if he doesn't play, right?
1: Yeah. Um the, the O-line had been kind of a, a patchwork before, and then those guys kind of settled in over the last two years, and then a bunch of those guys now. Yeah, Jake Curran uh, left for the NFL last offseason, and then you had the two medical retirees. So Craig was kind of the one um, kind of stable player there that uh, Cal had seen in there for a long time. And, um, yeah, he would, uh, it's kind of a day-to-day thing, it sounds like, for him, and we'll kind of see, wait and see this week if uh, that plays out for him.
0: All right, let's start looking at what are some keys for this one, Jackson. All right, the three things that you think Cal must do to win and then three things they cannot do if they hope to win.
1: Yeah, um, I I look at the way that – I mean, just from me watching the games before, the way Oregon has um, really got it to quarterbacks and not just getting to quarterbacks, but what happens when they get to quarterbacks, particularly – Thibodeau and, and both of those Fresno State and Stanford games laying some big hits against quarterbacks. Um, and then talking about what Cal's been doing offensively where they're letting Garbers just kind of step back and, and sling it. He hasn't really had too many big hits back there. So they've got to protect him in this one. If um, if he's taking some monster hits, that could be bad. <laughs> There's not too much of a, a number two option for them right now. Um, they do have to um, – I think they need to play good in the run defense as far as taking advantage of uh, Verdell being out, um, having a good push up front, and forcing Anthony Brown to to pass the ball a little bit more and try to beat him that way. And uh, turnovers would certainly be big, as we talked about. Um, It's not really something Cal can count on, but – it's something they do need to create here to swing this game, much like the matchup a year ago with the two fumbles. Um, if they can do something like that, then perhaps they can win this one. But if not, it's going to be hard to just straight up beat the Ducks, of course. Um, I'm curious to see what, as far as what they can't do, what the mentality of this team is. I mean, one and four with Oregon up ahead is not a very good place to be at for a team. And so we'll see if they come out fired up to try to pull off an upset or if uh, it's they 're kind of down on themselves i 'm really not sure what to expect after that washington State performance, and they 've kind of had a bye week to let it fester around for a while um, uh, they can 't have an offensive performance <laughs> like they did against washington state they 've got to really refine that that rhythm that they had, which was looking very promising the first few weeks of the season and uh, Of course, getting back to turnovers uh, not only do they need to create them, but they can 't have them themselves. Uh, they had no turnovers in that meeting last year with the two takeaways. So I uh, got to have probably a plus two margin there to have a realistic shot at this one.
2: Just a, a quick question for the bye week. It's similar to Oregon where they're kind of stewing off of this loss. You know, how do you anticipate them coming out of the gates against Oregon after the bye week? Like, do you think they'll be coming out with fire like you're saying or do you think that, that extra week is going to hurt them?
1: Yeah, you know I'm I'm not 100% sure. I think that kind of the I don't know what to expect kind of from the leadership, but I feel like kind of the middle-ling level players there's probably going to be quite a bit of competition going on this week because uh, when you're at 1 and 4 you really need to re- reassess some things with that extra week. I think probably some borderline starters are being pushed to kind of compete for those jobs and maybe some second teamers getting some shots, so maybe those guys will um be a little improved or more amps to play in this one but from the top down when you're one and four and you've been in those positions as a leader for a while and expectations aren't being hit uh, I'm not sure I don't really have a good feel for how the that part of the team is going to come out if they're going to be kind of hanging their heads or if they're going to be really trying to, to come out with some fire.
2: And and lastly, for for Cal to pull off an upset, you know, who in specific needs to have, like, a a great day or, like, a career day in order to to get them close? Um, I mean, Garbers would certainly help, of course.
1: Easy answer there. But as far as running backs go, uh, this is, again, an offense that while it's having some big passing days is really more designed on a pro-style run. And there's been kind of a – a change there. Um, Christopher Brooks, who used to be Christopher Brown, was the, uh, the main guy for a long time. And then this year it's been Damian Moore. And then Moore kind of lost his spot the last couple of weeks and Chris Streets uh, stepped in and then Brooks was there. So uh, I don't know who to pinpoint for sure, but if they could have one running back have a big day, that would certainly go a long way. Um, uh, defensively, Cam Good is kind of the one big star in the front seven. Who could make a big difference in this game, especially with Dang out? Um, he's the kind of guy that needs to make some plays. Um, he's done it before, but he doesn't have the supporting cast around him that he's been used to having earlier in his Cal career.
0: Jackson, thanks for clearing up the Christopher Brown Brooks thing. I was confused on what had happened to that guy because he was pretty dynamic at times the last couple of years, and I was like, "Where did he go?" Because I didn't think he—I thought he had eligibility left. He just changed his name. Is that what happened? <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, you know, last year as well, he was still Brown, but he had some injury issues, so he took a real big backseat and then supposedly he's healthy now, but he still is not the starter anymore (laughs) while going through the name change from Christopher Brown Jr. to Christopher Brooks honoring his mom, I believe, with that change uh, to her maiden name, uh, from my understanding. Um, But, yeah, it's they haven't really said if he's just not physically the same guy or what, but he was a big-time uh, ball carrier for them uh, up until 2020, and even now, when he has a, a big game, it's usually about 10 touches or so.
0: Huh, interesting. Maybe it's just the name change. I guess maybe Brown, maybe Brown was better. I don't know. <laughs> that sounds that's that's also reductive because he's because it was for his mom. So let's not go there. But I just found that strange. Um, Jackson, I think that's it, and I mean that not only for this show, but. This is the last time you're going to be on one of the shows for a year. Um, Barring something bizarre happening in a bowl game where Oregon plays like San Jose State, Fresno State, Cal or Stanford. And yes, folks, he does cover all of those schools. Um, this is going to be your last time on the show for a while. How's it feel? You ready? I mean, you're probably ready to be done with this, right?
1: And not just three, <laughs> but in the first uh, six games of the season.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure y'all will enjoy hearing someone else's voice the rest of the way. <laughs> well, it's been great. No, it's been great having you in all these. And honestly, it's been kind of fun because uh, you, you know it's not each week I have to message somebody I don't know. It's like these last half of these games, I get to message the same person for the preview, which is a little bit of a unique deal. Um, as always, Jackson. Really appreciate your work. Go check out his work at BearTerritory.com, com uh, Cardinal two four seven. I'm probably going to remember or misremember some of these other ones, but also the Fresno state and San Jose state uh, sites. If you're interested in checking out with more of Jackson's work. So uh, you do great work for, for two, four, seven, absolutely covering all four of those schools. I don't know if I could do that, to be honest, it's, it's Oregon's almost too much for me to do. I don't think I could do three yeah. others. So uh, yeoman's work, buddy. Impressive.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate y'all having me three times and, uh, uh, let me know if you guys do basketball. We'll meet up uh, another four plus times
0: or so. <laughs> All right. Well, you, you've just signed yourself up for, for more podcasts. We'll, have, we'll see you on later. You're right. Maybe it won't be a year. It'll be a couple months. But um, for this episode of the Ots and Audibles, I've been your host, Eric Scopel, joined by Jared Mack. Peace. I'm and peacing. Jackson Moore. I don't know, Jared. We were just going there, and uh, you didn't say <laughs> anything, so. and I left you out to dry. So go, team. Uh, talk to you later, folks.